Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's August 2nd, 1100. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. He had a smile that could light up a room, but when William Rufus entered the new forest on what was supposed to be a hunting trip with friends, it turned into a crime scene that cost him his life. <laughs> it's the original true crime murder mystery. I mean, given all the interest in British-based fantasy period drama, you could have gone more Game of thrones there. <laughs> like, da 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 who's in the forest, who killed him? <laughs> so it was on this day that William II, son of William the Conqueror, known as William Rufus because of his red went into the New Forest with a few friends, a few close quarters, on what proved to be his final hunting trip. In true spooky fashion, he apparently told his companions that he'd had a strange dream in which his blood spurted into the sky, which seems a little bit like a kind of a chronicler's embellishment, but, you know, sets the scene nicely. <laughs> but I guess if someone, even someone of note like this, generally recorded that they'd had a bad dream 900 years ago, we wouldn't still remember it if it wasn't the day that they got accidentally shot by an arrow. Do you know what I mean? Like, he probably had bad dreams on other days you know he was royal people wrote down everything he said <laughs> i mean we should probably establish that having had his bad dream about his blood spurting into the sky his blood then did spurt a little bit when he got shot either accidentally or intentionally by an arrow that may or may not have ricocheted off a tree and struck him in the lung whereupon he fell to the ground and died henceforth there's been a mystery around it I love it, don't you, Rebecca, that when Arian does royal history, suddenly it's all like whereupons and henceforths, even if he's not quoting from the original text. He just like gets into mode. I can't help be back there. I can give you a bit of a quote from the original text just to set the scene. This is from the chronicler William of Malmesbury. A lot of Williams around at this time. Mm. So William II was 40 years old at this point, And William of Malmesbury describes him as being... Well set, his complexion florid, his hair yellow, of open countenance, different coloured eyes, of astonishing strength, though not very tall, and his belly rather projecting, which I think we can safely say is a bit of a mixed I'm bag. imagining sort of Leonardo DiCaprio at 40. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I think he would do a very good job playing him. Had been quite hot heading in the wrong direction. Few too many uh, ciders. <laughs> yeah. It has to be said that though there is a lot of speculation about whether this was an accident, it wasn't uncommon for there to be accidents. For one thing, William's older brother, Richard, had died in a hunting accident in the New Forest 30 years earlier when he collided with a branch, and his nephew, who was also called Richard, had also died in the New Forest in a hunting accident three months previously. It's true, I found a bunch of other rulers who were killed sort of around the same time and in, indeed previously and, and subsequently. The Emperor John II Komemnos uh, in the early 12th century was killed after accidentally pricking himself with poison arrows. I mean, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Come on, you're carrying poison you arrows, one dude. thing not to do with them. <laughs> yeah. When I gave you those poison arrows, I said, do not prick yourself with them. <laughs> and then King Falk 
unfortunate name of Jerusalem, also early 12th century, crushed under his horse after a fall while hunting. Like just, yeah, it was dangerous business, which I suppose is the truth of hunting, especially when you're all armed with arrows, some of them poisonous, Mm. and you're riding horses around the countryside. Well, Richard of Normandy, who was the um, brother of William II that Rebecca referred to, having died in the New Forest earlier, that was supposedly in a collision with an overhanging branch. But there was still suspicion that the locals may have done it. And I think it's just worth kind of talking about that conspiracy theory for a minute, because I know we'll talk about maybe who killed William (laughs) II. But actually, generally speaking, the locals were not necessarily well disposed to these monarchs. That is worth saying. And the reason is something that we've talked about on this show before in our fourth ever edition, (laughs) when we discussed Queen Victoria dedicating Epping Forest, previously a royal hunting patch for the use of the public. That whole thing of vast swathes of Saxony being royal hunting grounds started with William's dad, William the Conqueror. He was the one who said, I want to go hunting. Yeah, the new forest looks good. Let's have it. But it wasn't just as we kind of suggested back then, like it was for his own personal pleasure and he didn't want to be around the plebs. It was that they were the Normans They'd invaded, Mm -hmm. they'd cleared like huge Saxon villages away, so the locals weren't big fans. So it wasn't just, I want loads of space to hunt boar, it was, I don't want the locals to hunt me. And that actually makes it quite ironic, doesn't it, that two of them then died in the land they'd cleared so that they could be safe. (laughs) It kind of underlines the fact that threats were everywhere, and if it wasn't the revolting locals it was your siblings and your political rivals and it was an incredibly turbulent time and so it's not too surprising that a lot of people came to sticky ends it's just curious that so many of them did so in hunting grounds you know (laughs) and probably worth saying as well that there are no shortage of people who would have wished for William Rufus's death he was quite an unpopular figure in the country he clashed with the church a lot he was Mm. big a sort of a stocky guy who liked drinking and many Maybe a little bit of homosexuality on the side. Um, and he, he, he didn't <laughs> That's have... such a delicate way of putting what I found. This is what the historian Frank Barlow <laughs> described him as. Addicted to every kind of vice, particularly lust, and especially sodomy. I love the idea <laughs> of being addicted to sodomy. <laughs> what an I, used, I used to be a 20-a-day man, but I'm trying to cut down. Yeah. <laughs> And what makes this extra suspicious? I mean, we've already established that hunting was a very dangerous hobby. However, the person who supposedly killed William Rufus was a character called Walter Tyrell. He was one of these Anglo-French nobles that had sort of taken control of the aristocracy in England by this point. He was so famous for being a great shot that when William's arrowsmith presented him with a pack of arrows, he gave two of them to Walter Tyrell and said, Bon archer, bonne flesh, meaning to the good archer, the good arrows. So the idea that he would have made such a disastrously wrong shot that Mm. instead of hitting a stag, Mm. he would somehow hit the only other living thing near him. And that living thing is the king. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's not just like, you know, you're going to accidentally shoot anyone. That person in particular, you would take special care, wouldn't you, not to shoot, (laughs) I feel, if you're a good shot. You can shoot anything in this forest but the king. (laughs) This has gone disastrously wrong. (laughs) But he did bugger off to France, didn't he, straight afterwards? Right. And and then pretended never to have been there. Which I think was very bold, considering it wasn't a two-person hunting expedition. Several other people were also there, including William's (laughs) younger brother, Prince Henry. He and William had a really strained relationship with their older brother Robert. The idea that Henry might have orchestrated this death so he could succeed William not totally beyond the realm of possibility. According to one account, 
William and Henry once conspired together. Keep in mind, William was in his 20s and Henry was nine. But they emptied Mm. chamber pots onto their older brother's head, sparking a clash that forced their father to intervene. And then the next day, Robert tried to seize the castle they were all staying in. So it was a very dysfunctional family. (laughs) You say dysfunctional. I mean, what's the point of building a castle to uh, eject the English from their own country? apart from tyrannically seizing it and declaring it as yours. I would say that that is a functional use of a castle, Rebecca. Well, absolutely. I mean, Henry did love a castle as part of his machinations as well. He once threw a defeated enemy count off Rouen Castle. And also, after he defeated Robert in 1106 and took control of Normandy, he kept his own brother in prison for the remaining 28 years of his life. So Henry wasn't above a little bit of fratricide. It's also worth looking at what he did when he found out that his brother, the king, had just been shot and killed by his mate. I mean, I know bereaved people can have strange reactions, but his (laughs) first thought was, let's leave his corpse here in the forest and gallop off to Winchester to seize the treasury (laughs) so that I can become king. I mean, evidence seems to point towards that not being the most generous of motives. And you've got to say as well, leaving your brother's corpse in the forest doesn't really look good in terms of your future claims of innocence. You know, the fact that his body was actually found later by a peasant. So, you know, all of the nobles just scarpered immediately, I guess probably also detecting that in the air there was going to be a change of leadership. Um, So, you know, they had to get (laughs) No shit. (laughs) And uh, get get with the people who didn't have a puncture to the lung that was fatal. (laughs) Um, Or also, don't be part of any conspiracy conversation because they didn't know that Henry was going to be king. True. Did they? They didn't know that would succeed. For all they knew, his brother was already there in Winchester and declared himself king, and then everyone that was involved in killing his younger brother was going to die. You just think, in terms of plausible deniability, as his younger brother, you might pick up the body and take it back and go, oh, whoa, oh, whoa. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I did go down a slightly different rabbit hole, which was Mm. other undignified royal deaths. I think probably most people have heard of Edward II, who was called Ironside. He was the one who supposedly got the hot poker up the rear, Mm. which obviously relatively undignified. But the best one I found was actually from France. Charles of Navarre, also known as Charles the Bad, fell ill in 1387. And because of the way medicine worked at the time, he was supposed to be bundled up in brandy-soaked rags. So a servant woman was charged with doing this. She wrapped him up and then she was like, time to sew him in. And then she was looking around being like, where's my knife to cut this thread? Oh, I can't find it. I'll just use this candle to singe it, lighting him instantly on fire. Oh, no. Uh, He died a few weeks later. Pretty miserable weeks, I think we can probably surmise. Oh, mate, that's not fun. And she galloped away to Winchester (laughs) like it had never happened. (laughs) Tomorrow. They had a couple of employees pose as like a husband and wife. It's like you could get anyone to say that if you bung some like free sandwiches out of it. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.